0: All right. Can y'all hear me? Test one, two. And we're going to look at some of that, and we're going to dive deeper into it the next couple of weeks. Go ahead. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So there's there's some things, and I I got them up here. I like having this here, by the way. Derek did a good job of hanging these. (laughs) Oh. But anyways, there's kind of four areas that we, that we go through. Anyone heard of the, pa- the pattern or blueprint principle, principle? Okay. That is where we, the, the, and we'll go through these. I'm sorry. I, I'm going to list them and we'll go through them. The law of silence or silence of the scriptures, Commands, examples, and necessary for- and And then sometimes, and it depends on who you are, we'll use proof texting. Now, typically proof texting is a negative thing but there, it can be used in, in, a, in a positive way if done correctly. So the first one we're going to look at is the pattern blueprint principle. And the idea around this is we go back to the first century church, we look at the particular pattern that they had, and in some teachings, if you, you have to obey this form of pattern of teaching to be made free from sin. And if you don't obey all their patterns, or most of them, depending on how you interpret it, then you're not free from sin, or you're not part of the true church. And so the thought is we have to recreate the first century church by recreating their pattern. In the 20 or 21st or 19th, depending on when it started. And so the thought is, unless you duplicate this pattern of the first century church, then you are not the true church. We're part of the true church. It's kind of the the teachings that go along with this. And and honestly, I pulled this. I'm going through some uh, courses through one of the Bible college, and I actually kind of pulled this directly from one of their their documents and teaching. So that's kind of where you get this. And, And we see this, right? We always talk about trying to be the first century church. All right, the law of silence. There's actually a lot of debate around this one. There's, there's some people who believe in the law of science. There's some people who believe that we we shouldn't necessarily follow the law of science, and it gets complicated. And we're, we're going to look at some of that. The law of science is only what God authorizes is permitted. When God is silent about something in Scripture, then it is forbidden. If Jesus and His apostles never mentioned it, then it's not authorized. But this is where they, they, they kind of struggle a little bit and, and, and get into some, okay, does this apply to worship only? Does this apply to the whole church? Or does this apply to our entire lives? And so there, there's some, some questioning around whether how does this apply. Because you can honestly see, for example, if, if we apply just the law of silence to today, Nothing we're doing in here would be correct. <laughs> right. This building would not be here. Right. Right. And so we have to figure out what is the best way. Yeah, I wouldn't be using this. I wouldn't. None of this would be. I mean, everything. You know, we wouldn't own this property. Right. We'd be meeting in a house. And so. How far do we take the law of silence? It is, is an Interpretation.
1: sort of thing. Yep. Um, the law of silence, it goes two ways. One in the church, it, uh, you know, is more, if, if God, like you said, if, if it's not in the scripture, if it's God's silent, then it's forbidden. The other side says that if God's silent, then it doesn't really matter to him, so we can do
0: yep. whatever. Yeah, the other side of that is if it, if God's silent, then it's permissible. And so we have to find a balance. And, and I understand this, because if we apply the law of silence to our everyday lives... When we got sick, the only thing we would be allowed to do is drink wine and have the elders come and pour oil on our head and pray for us. So it depends on how strict you want to get with the law of silence, right? And so this is where some of the difficulty comes in. And when I say things are seem off, you're going to see what I'm talking about here in a little bit. Yes. I agree. And so, implied. go ahead. I'm sorry. It's implied. I mean, it's like if you tell your
2: child, "Do not, don't go over sixty You're not telling them, or "Don't go over the speed limit," or something like that. I mean, you're not, you're not saying "Don't speed." So, well you didn't tell me not to speed, but I told you not to.
0: And that's where the, the necessary inference comes into. And we're, we're going to look at that a little bit.
2: Dad, yeah, I think it really boils down to this. In order for us to properly apply the law of silence and silence of Scripture, we need to know Scripture. We need to study a lot. I'll use the uh, example that summer used while it goes. children know how she feels about that. She don't have to say and and we should be the same way in our study with God that we are close enough to God we have studied enough that we know that this is not something that we need to be doing this is or this is something that we do need to be doing one way or the other and that's what all that is going to boil (laughs)
0: <laughs> exactly. Right, and and, I, and yes, I, I agree. And, and I, I think the one I'll be honest with you, the one I struggle with the most is the, is the well, there, there's two, but I, I, the, the law of silence is the one I struggle with the most. And and I'll be honest with you that because
1: well, because it's not a biblical
0: law. it's not a biblical law, right? It's a law. And it's a man made law. And said, yep.
1: And therefore it can be open to like I said. it's gone either way. Yep. You know. And, and
0: so. Go ahead. I like to put instead of it a law of silence, it could be a law of caution. Law of caution. I I think that's good. Yeah. I agree with that.
1: My point, if I may. No, go ahead. If the church would get busy doing <laughs> the absolute clear commands we wouldn't have time to be fussing about all
0: that other stuff. You're you're getting ahead of me. Yeah. <laughs> so so here's and again, I I'm, I'm not here to talk bad about these principles, right? And that's that's not my my that's not what I'm trying to do here. But what I'm, I what I am going to show is we've taken these principles too far. I think in, in, in several instances. All right, so commands examples and necessary inference. Direct commands that's pretty easy, right? So, women, are you all going to start wearing head coverings? And men, are you going to start raising your hands when you pray? Are we going to start greeting one another with a holy kiss? Okay, so those direct commands aren't as easy as we thought, right? Yeah. How many? Zero, right? How many oil how much oil have you poured on people's heads? Never done that. <laughs> but never recall, no one's ever called me and said, Hey, you know what? Please please
3: come and pray with me. I'm I'm in bad shape. You know, and it's always bothered me because it's like it's like a commandment in the Bible. Like, yeah. I mean, you're really sick, man. You're supposed to call the elders, they're supposed to come over and pray with you. And and no one has ever done it. And done it? not just this church, any church I've ever been in. No one has ever called the elders and said, "Hey, please come pray with me. I'm
0: and, sick." And and so sometimes we say, "Oh, the direct commandments. That one's easy." It's really not. Sometimes it should be. And, and, and I'm I'm on, I'm going to show that. So approved examples, right? What's an approved example?
1: Meeting on the first day of the
0: week. Meeting on the first day of the week. Repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. I'm going to put one out here. my kind of some of y'all might be shocked at, communion. I was having a discussion and said, well, we are commanded to take communion on the first day of the week. That commandment's actually not in there. It's an example. Now, if you look at it, Jesus said as often as you, what? Drink this bread, I'm sorry, eat this bread and drink this from this cup, do this in remembrance of me. How often did they eat bread and drink wine in the New Testament church or in the in that time period? Almost every day. So depending on how we want to take that example, <laughs> on the, yep, to break bread, right? Yep. And so that's where the necessary inference comes into, right? It's like, well, we have to, if y'all are anyone in here fans of Star Trek, we use the Spock method, right? What's logical? All right? So we see that they met in their houses every single day in Acts, and they probably broke bread every single day. So they may have taken communion every single day. But we see the, the examples, and so we use those. So you, you start to see where this gets complicated, right? Because it's it could be my interpretation of, you know, God, Jesus said to take it as often as we drink and eat it. And, and back then they did it every day, so do I do it every day? But then we see in the New Testament church, well, the example they have in Acts, I think it's 20, they came together on the first day of the week to break bread. Right. Actually, if you look, if you go back to that, and you think about that. The focal point was the communion. Right. Of us a- together. Their their main thing was, yeah. we're coming together to the main communion was not the five minute thing we do here on Sunday. It was a long thing. It was long enough where if they misbehaved it or misdid it, they could get drunk off of it, or or eat way too much. So. Again, you see where sometimes this gets really complicated. And then the last one is a necessary inference. And I'm going to talk about that one just a little bit more. Necessary inference. The definition of necessary inference is an inclusion that must be true if the premise or or fact on which it is based is taken to be true. All right? So we know that they, what, met on the first day of the week to observe the Lord's Supper. So therefore, it must be true that we must take it on the first day of the week. An example here is, if the premise is that all men are mortal, it is taken to be true that the conclusion that some men are mortal must be true. So if all men are mortal, then some men must be. That is correct, but is that a command? But is that a but yes? But is that a command?
2: No, it would be an that,
0: that is an example, right? As an apostolic example. Sure. So again, I'm not saying we shouldn't be doing it, but what I'm saying is, we have to be careful when we say that's a command versus an example. I uh, th- yeah, thus saith the Lord. Type, right?
1: Just to clear up, you, you don't see anywhere in the Scripture where it says, on the first day of the week, Jesus said, God said, the apostle. On the first day of the week, it is a commanded that you partake of the Lord's supper. And and so that uh, that's the that's, that's the, the that's the difference. difference. So, yeah. Nobody saying we, we shouldn't do it. it's a, yeah. it's a wonderful example, yep. and I think we should follow a biblical. Example. Right,
0: what, but. I, I agree with that. I, I think a lot of that, too, was more pertaining to souls and, and, and the winning of souls. Mm-hmm. But, but but my, my example is, is I'm trying to show that this is not a simple cut-and-dry issue all the time. And, and I would say, and all of us in here have heard someone get up here and say, it is commanded that we do this on the first day of the week. And it's kind of been, it's kind of been taken as right. where kind of like kind of like it's doctrine. Right. You know? And so again, I'm not saying we don't do it on the front. I'm not saying that, but I'm trying to show how we how we come up with the things that we come up with. Go ahead.
1: Command example. I don't think too many people have trouble with. You right. know, I mean, I mean, if it's an apostolic example, follow. Yep. Good, Wonderful. If it's a command, uh, incidentally, go into all the world and preach the gospel. The command. We <laughs> don't obey that. Command. So there's certain ones we're real adamant about obeying, and then certain ones we we overlook. Well. But. <laughs>
0: So here, here's, here's an example of why we use necessary inference as so that's used. Matthew 22, 31 through 32. So Jesus is having a discussion on the, ra- the raising of the dead with the Pharisees. Or I think it's the Sadducees. I can't remember which one it was that, that doesn't believe in the, the raising of the dead. Yeah. But now, as, I, as to whether there will be resurrection of the dead, have you ever read about the scriptures? Long after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had died, God said, I am the God of Abraham, God, uh, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So he is the God of the living, not the dead. So, we use necessary inference here. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. So God is saying, "I am the God of Abraham after he was buried." So Abraham therefore must be alive in some form. He's using necessary, and he uses this in a lot of times. And we'll use this as an example as to why we should use it, and we do because we're we have to. I mean, in, in human life, you're going to use this logical type discernment in everything. W-W-J-D, right? What would Jesus do?
1: What would Jesus do? where you inferring, unless you have, again, a direct command in the Bible, you're inferring that Jesus would or would not do a particular
0: right. thing. Or the New Testament church would have, or, or in particular. So, the conclusion then is, since Jesus used it, then we should use it, and we can use it, and we're okay. But the thing is, it's like Dad just said, Jesus was Jesus, and we're humans, and we're sinful, and we're not going to get the inference part right all the time. And, in fact, we're going to take it too far. The
3: example, the three wise men.
0: Yeah. Right?
3: If you use logic, there's three gifts. So there's a got to be three wise men. But, honestly,
0: we don't know. We don't know. Right? We just know there were wise men, plural. So. Proof, um, yes. So proof texting. Anyone, anyone here familiar with proof texting? All right, so i got the definition up here. When a passage is pulled out of its context, meaning, and purpose, and then used improperly, that's usually the context of when we say someone's proof texting. Now, you can use text as proof to prove your, your, your point, but usually what someone... The funniest one I've ever had is that someone told me, well, the Bible says there is no God. You know what? That is true. The Bible does say that there is no God. Psalms 14.1 only fools say in their heart there is no God. They are corrupt and their actions are evil and no one of them does good. So if I want to prove text and pull things out, I can do that. Now, we see this in, in some of the, our other churches, right? Romans 3, 28. For we maintain that a man is justified by, by faith apart from the work, uh, works of the law. If I prove text just that and there's some other ones in Ephesians that I can, then I can say, well... We are justified by just faith and nothing else. So I can say that I believe in Jesus, have faith in Him, and I'm good, right? As long as I follow just this verse. If I pull this one verse now, if I put it in the context of the whole Bible, then it says a different story. It's three, <laughs> three yeah, yeah, yeah. Same thing with Ephesians in the verse. So. But we're guilty of this in the Church of Christ. Can anyone think of an example that in the Church of Christ where, that where we do this? Sometimes, not always, but I've seen it used.
3: Well, I don't have a specific example, but I've seen, and I, I hate this, because people take, if, if you look at your scripture, right, it's broken into parts, right? Right. But you know what? There are sentences in there. And I try to read the entire sentence, not just that little piece in the middle. You know what I'm talking about? And I've seen that happen so many times. And not so much... Later on, preaching nowadays, but early preaching, they would take like this one, one that, yep. and this one, this one. You go all over the Bible with these little pieces. So
0: I'm going to use First Peter three twenty one. Has <clears throat> anyone ever you seen this used as a proof text? First Peter three twenty one. It didn't change on I me. Mean, I'm sorry. corresponding to the baptism and some say that now saves you or baptism now saves you do we believe that baptism in itself saves us right but, but how are we saved through, faith, faith. through what through, through grace right and so if you read the, if you take this verse out of context and just pull it out then some people say, "Well, it's the baptism that saves," you. and we know that that's not that baptism in itself, being dunked in the water, does not save. It is God's grace that saves us, and there's conditions around it. Go ahead. Part of the problem, I think, with that
3: is if you looked at from the old days, the steps to salvation, right? And We're going to talk about yet, that next week. Yet, am I
0: taking your? No, no, no. You're good. You're good. And actually, we're going to look at that. All equally important. Yeah, and actually, we're going to look at that. If you actually look at all those steps, only one of them is a step, and that's the baptism. Everything else is a continuation. It's a flat line. You're going to continue to believe. You're going to continue to believe. You're going to continue to read, right? You're going to continue in faith. We don't don't continually dunk ourselves in the water, right? Oh, maybe some of us, we should, but go ahead. Baptism wasn't just a Christian thing,
3: Correct. right? Correct.
0: I don't know why this thing don't want to stick to my ear. Back in the '90s, uh, down, in, down in Dallas, there was a
3: movement that uh, that, was, that was going on that these people were saying Jesus wasn't meant to be baptized. <laughs> and that's a gray area, and I could not
1: understand where in the Bible they were. Yeah. They talking about the contextual thing Richard Rogers cleared that up to me years ago he said a text <coughs> taken out of context becomes a pretext
0: text. yep
1: a pretext is we've already got our mind made up about something so we're going to try to use the Bible to prove what we believe instead of allowing what we should do is go to the Bible see what it says and then adopting our lives yep. and our beliefs to that
0: yep. and we're and, and I'll be. we're also guilty of taking one or two verses, and forming our entire opinion around the Bible, around those verses, versus looking at the entire Bible and what it says. And you you can't take them for things and jam them together the way you want them to go together, right? right. So so that that kind of leads to this. How do we bring together a blueprint with a law of silence while following commands and examples and then using necessary inference when necessary without proof texting all in order to make sure we are the one true church? Not simply, right? It's not. And here, and this is where I'm getting to. The gospel message of Jesus is supposed to be simple. And we've overcomplicated it. We've made it overly complex. And I'm going to give you some examples, right? And I don't mean this to be, because this just isn't a Church of Christ thing, right? This is a church thing in general. Uh, most churches have overly complicated the Bible. And I'm going to go, I went back through and I went through and read most of our through a lot of our major publications for the last 150-200 years, I didn't read them all, <laughs> all right? But I, but I went through and I, and I and I kind of flipped through a lot of them. Do you know what most of the stuff in the Gospel Advocate and the Guardian and the Christian Chronicle? Do you know what most of it's about? Infighting, tearing apart each other. And, and talking about how, well, this church over here is this, and this church over here is this, and this preacher over here is this. And then that, that and, and honestly, if we look at our history just here in this county, we got churches who won't have anything to do with other churches, right? Their members aren't allowed to go to their church. And so this is and you can you if you look on your page, you can see some of the disagreements we've had. Communion cups, Bible classes, orphanages, widows, whether we should pay our preacher. Dad's probably against that one. <laughs> right whether we should have buildings whether we should have bulletins VBS radio TV programs loans baptistry this, that was the one that, whether we should have a baptistry in the church why the law of silence there's no baptistries in the there's no buildings but all right the, the discussion around whether women were actually allowed to speak in the church building at all And there's some other things around women I won't go into. You don't have kitchens on there. I think I don't have kitchens on there. I might be on the next page, but I don't know. (laughs) Church cooperation. This was a big one. Fighting whether one church should work with another church in the same community. At all. Colleges. Whether we should support missionaries, not missionaries individually, but as groups. Whether churches should work together to support a a missionary. Segregation. you would be surprised at the articles written about how they approved the segregation. <laughs> that was not a pretty picture. How we, whether we should support widows, then websites and more common, live streams, social media, songbooks, projectors, entertainment. There's hundreds more. I couldn't put them all on here. And literally, this was just in Tuning Forks. So, twenty Tuning Fork or Pitch Pipe. Right? So here, here's my thing, and this is what Dad alluded to earlier. <laughs> if in the past, we had to put... I mean, one, you've got to think of what it took to write these articles. This wasn't getting on my laptop or my, my P- PC and, and putting a blog post out there on Facebook, right? That took maybe 10 minutes to write. They wrote these things out by hand, then they had to go to a printing press and put them on a printing press in order and correctly and then print them off. This was an all-day process just to write one article. If they would have put forth the effort, the energy, and, and today, too, we're the same way. We did not actually trying to just win people to Christ and spread his message versus trying to prove who's right and who's the, more, who's the more true church. Man, we would change the world. We would not see the world being the way it is today. No, not a single thing. All this is necessary inference. All right. So uh, for those who, well, maybe we need to post this online. I, I didn't put all these in here. Read the 25 signs now, and I'll be honest with you, this list. Ranges from 25 to about 40, depending on where you look and, and who you look at. But I kind of went with the, the 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 core 25 of the signs of the one true church, right? Do you see anything missing in all those 25 lists? It's on, it's on your paper, on your handout. It's on your handout, I'm sorry. No, nah, I don't. I, I was trying to fit it all on four pages. And I apologize for, for those watching online. We'll, uh, we'll post this in the, in the comments you see anything missing in all that? One time, the same man says. <laughs> man Okay. Do you see evangelism in there anywhere?
1: Number 12, I guess, would be necessary inference. Yeah. See, scriptural and doing missionary work, which, of course, is potent yeah. evangelism.
0: Yeah. And at the very bottom, it says, does your church, or does this, this describe your church that you are a member of? If not, then you are not the church described in the New Testament, and you are not saved. <laughs> if you look at a lot of those things, They're not things that Jesus commanded us to do. I mean, a lot of them are good things, and we should should try to obey them. But they don't even follow the core back to the the foundations of what Jesus talked about. And and I'm going to try to hurry here. So let me ask you, what does all this resemble? If if you're looking at this, pull yourself out of it. What does all this resemble? Some of you might be thinking it and bred afraid to say it.
1: Well, you've
0: got it written down here. Oh, that's right. This is why I don't like doing notes. <laughs> the Pharisees. If we look at Matthew 23, now Matthew 23 just, yeah, Jesus just obliterates the Pharisees. But, but I'm going to focus on 23 and 24. What sorrow awaits you, teachers, and religious laws, you Pharisee, hypocrites, for you carefully tithe even to the tiniest um, income from your herb garden. And it talks about, in, in the other translation, it talks about the mint and things like that. They would literally take their mint seeds and divide them nine over here, one to Jesus. That's how strict they were with the law, similar to the little things we were arguing about. But you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. And he goes, you should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Jesus Himself talks about there are more important things than following. Maybe some examples, even some commands. The way we follow them, depending on how we follow. We are commanded to tithe, but it depends on how do we follow that command. Do we do it like that? You know, do we do we do we make it a burden? And then He says, "Blind guides, you strain your water so you won't accidentally swallow a net, but you swallow a camel." Campbell, camel. So what should our focus look like? Matthew 22, 37 through 40. This is before, this is right before he just lays into them. You, and they ask him, they try to test him and ask him what the greatest command is, right? And you guys know where I'm going to go because I go with this every time. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on just those two commands. Everything we do is summed up in those two sentences. And in John 13, 34, he gives us a new command. So now I'm giving you a new command. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. And when he gave this command, they did not realize he was about to go die on a cross. So that is the love that he is talking about. So What should it look like? What should our method of interpreting the scriptures come to and look like? It should be these right here. Love God. Love your neighbor. Justice, mercy, and faith. And loving others as Jesus loves us. How much attention do we pay to these? Not as much as we should, right? Not as much as we do the other stuff, right? If I brought a piano in here, everyone in here would have a conniption fit. But we don't go out and evangelize and no one says nothing. Which is more important? You think Jesus is going to send us to hell? We're having a piano up here. Some people would say yes. But are people going to go to hell if we're not doing the basic command He gave us?
1: Fifteen said, "If you love me, you will keep my commandments." So right. Yes, going back to loving God with everything that we have. What's our motivation for keeping the commandments of God? Mm-hmm. Well, if we love God the way we should, we want to please Him. We want to keep His commandments.
0: So I'm going to do next week, I'm going to propose that we change the lens at which we look through the Bible. And that lens is not to start in Acts and go forward, but to actually start in Genesis and go forward and look at what we should be doing through the lens of Jesus, right? We are supposed to be who? Christ-like, right? We are to, to imitate Christ. So who should our pattern be after? Christ, right? Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't follow the examples of the church, but our, our sole example should not to be to try to be exactly like the first century church. We can't do that. It's not possible. I'll get to you, Steve. Because if we did, then we would not be here. We would be meeting at homes. We'd be spreading the gospel like crazy, and we wouldn't be worrying a lot about a lot of the little things that we would worry about. Yes, it is. So you have become the ambassador of Christ
3: on earth because this is a foreign country to us. Because we've decided we're no longer to serve Satan, we're going to be an ambassador. Yep. So when you look at it from that focus, we're out in in a strange world, and now we're the ambassador of our president, Jesus.
0: And does that ambassador lock himself in the embassy and follow just regular rituals and customs that maybe the United States practiced 400 years ago or sorry, history there, 200 years ago, and not have anything to do with the country that he's in? Right? The whole is to get out to be a representative of the United States in that country, right? Of Christ. Or I'm sorry, yeah, we're talking yeah, in Christ in that country, right? Right? so so this is going to be my my suggestion this is going to be because i think i think we have a hard time getting out of some of these these patterns and these checklists and the and these all these this these five examples and and these five examples and and this five example over here getting out of that and that, that we've made that the we've made that our salvation let me put it that way right We've made it that we've got to do all these little things in order to be the true church, to be a true Christian, and we miss all the just basic commands that, that Christ has given us. All right, now, I'm not saying we, we, we shouldn't look to those things and follow those examples. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, is we've got to let go of all this tradition and stuff that we hold on to so much sometimes and actually just look at the lens through what Jesus said and what Jesus did and his examples. I think sometimes we completely just, we act like the New Testament starts at Acts versus Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. We, we almost, sometimes I think we see that as like almost an extension of the, the story of the Old Testament. And we start in Acts, and then this is, that's everything we need to do. And I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying we shouldn't follow that stuff. But I think we need to go back to the beginning and see it through, the, through a different lens. And we'll talk about that, and we'll look at that next week. I am completely out of time. Thank you.